0: If he's God then I have to allow him to be God and I'm not ready for that and of course people weren't ready for it they hated him they wanted to kill him now uh, I I don't know if you've heard me tell this story before but I uh, when I was a young Christian kind of all extreme Jesus I I uh, I was witnessing in the in the mall up in Eugene I used to go down there in the evenings, in the summertime, and I'd witness almost every night. Sometimes I'd go door to door, but a lot of times I'd go down to the mall. And uh, there was this guy, and he looked, you know, a little ragged around the edges, maybe homeless. I wasn't really sure, but he was sitting on this concrete wall, and behind the wall, there was this stairwell that went down to a parking area uh, there in the mall. So I just thought, hey, you know, he's by himself. I'll go up and witness to him. So I I sat down by him, and, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, and... uh, I began talking to him find out a little bit about him and then I said well do you know Jesus loves you Uh, do do you know he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and uh, I asked him you know you know did you have any experience going to church growing up and and I'm watching I'm a a real uh, you know body language watching people's eyes when I talk to people I'm looking Trying to see what they're feeling so that I might be able to discern how to respond or what to say. So, you know, I'm watching him and he's getting really uncomfortable. I mean, his his body's doing a little bit of movement, and then all of a sudden, I mean, his face starts to contort, his eyes go a direction that weren't wasn't weren't normal. And he 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 got up from that wall and he pushed me to the ground. And he said, I hate Jesus Christ. And you know, I'm a young Christian. I've only been saved for about a year. And this is kind of freaking me out. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, finally he, he try, I could see he was trying to pull himself back together, but he had just lost control. Now, that's a little extreme, maybe for some of you a little weird, but that was the first time I looked a demon in the eye. I hate Jesus Christ. How many know we live in a spiritual world? Not, not just a physical world and the Bible says there is an antichrist of course there's an antichrist who is coming in the end and by the way we're moving that direction a lot faster than I thought we ever would in my lifetime but but there is an antichrist who will come but then there are many spirits uh, antichrists who come and I could spend the rest of the morning talking about that uh, in regard to our own culture here in America. But there, there's a spirit of the Antichrist, of course. You know, he's obvious in some cultures. You know, Hindu culture, uh, Buddhist, uh, Islam. It's very obvious. Uh, cultures dominated and controlled by an Antichrist, the nation of China, of course. The, um, you know, the church has to be underground because of the, the, the communism and the, the dictator there not allowing genuine Christian faith uh because th- they have to control everything that's thought or said or you know and, and and so then the church is able to meet provided they'll teach the things the government wants them to say and uh, but but the real church that loves jesus has to hide underground so there's spirit of antichrist european countries certainly a uh, spirit of antichrist uh, amazing churches that are empty there at one time revivals but of course there's a the the, the spirit of the antichrist is certainly taken over that culture because of you know ignorant things that Christians did at times past I I can't get into all of that but uh, there's an Antichrist in America very obvious very obvious spirit of the Antichrist of course in our governmental systems and our our educational systems the spirit of the Antichrist is is very real and, and and very obvious now I'm a little nervous right now thinking in the back of my mind what if you're visiting today (laughs) and the pastor's talking about demons and he's talking about the spirit of the Antichrist and I'm sorry if you're here uh, visiting today and maybe you just came to you know kind of feel some peace and uh, and and have a good time and well that's great but I want to tell you there's a battle going on there's a battle going on in the world but there's a battle going on for your soul and who Jesus is to you. Jesus asked the question, who do people say that I am? And then he asked Peter, well, who do you say I am? That's just a question every person is wrestling with because Jesus is in the middle of the battle and people are making decisions every day about what they believe about him. You know what the Bible says? The, the Bible says Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Okay, not be nice to the devil. He didn't come to make everybody happy. The Bible says Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Man, that's not a mamby-pamby with the lambby kind of, kind of truth, is it? Destroy. You know what, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. What that means, every person is lost. And you don't want to admit that. What you think is that all you need is a little fluff up, okay? You came to this church this morning. I just need a little, I need a tune-up, okay? I need a fluff-up here. I need to become a better husband. I need to become a better father. I need to become a better person. And yet the Bible says, you're a mess. You're a wreck. You're broken. You're lost. Lost. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of heaven and and that means you need a miracle you need to be born again I need to be born again through the power of the Holy Spirit and yet the culture we live in we believe that you know Jesus was a good man and if you want to have some Christian values and followed by some you know great ideas that maybe he taught that's great and that's wonderful But those kind of thoughts are some of the demons Jesus came to destroy and cast out. You can't be on the fence with Jesus Christ. You just can't be on the fence. You have to be for him or you have to be against him because he came to destroy the works of the devil and he came to seek and to save the lost. And so this this whole message here, there's there's a lot here. Jesus came to die on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin because you can't do it. And I can't do it. And people can't do it. We need a Savior. We need Jesus. And His coming. So powerful. So important. And I want to say this about you parents who are here. I love you, and I know you love your kids. They're awesome. They're wonderful. You have great dreams for them, (laughs) but they must be born again. They have no hope. They have no hope for eternity without Jesus. They need to be saved. They need great parents. They need great schools. They need great opportunity. They need great jobs, (sighs) but they need a great Savior. And his name is Jesus Christ. And we all need that in our lives. So this story, this extreme Jesus story is is couched in conflict. Now, what I love, verse 3, is how this story begins. It takes place uh, at a man's house named Simon the leper. Simon the leper. Now, why does it say that? Because apparently there are people that are going to read this when Mark wrote it, there are people that are going to read it and go, Oh, Simon the Leper, I know him. I mean, that's why it would be there. So that people that are reading it can recognize it. Now, here's the cool thing about Simon the leper he's not a leper anymore. Because lepers they were very afraid it was contagious. They were by the law, it was like worse than COVID. You, 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 you couldn't be in the city. You couldn't be in the village of Bethany. You couldn't return to your own home. You couldn't be with your wife. You couldn't be with your children, okay? He's throwing a party for Jesus in Bethany with his wife and kids and, you know, all kinds of people. Because Jesus had healed him. Now, we don't know which leper he was. Remember the story of the leper who came? And, uh, you know, he said, Jesus, if you're willing, you can heal me. Jesus said, I'm willing. It's a wonderful story. I'm willing to be healed, okay? Maybe it's that guy. I, I don't know. But he's, he's throwing a party for Jesus because he hears Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem. And, uh, you know, w- when Jesus healed him, he was by himself because he was cast out of the culture. He couldn't be around people. His wife wasn't there. His kids weren't there. So this is his opportunity to show his kids and his wife, the man who healed him so he invites Jesus to his house now uh, while he's throwing this party all of a sudden uh, this woman slips in and breaks this jar of very expensive perfume and all of a sudden this beautiful aroma starts to fill the room now I'm going to talk about the disciples response in a second but let me just talk about the perfume okay perfume is different in their culture Ladies, I don't know how many of you wear perfume. I love it when I stand next to a lady that has on a beautiful perfume. Uh, I, I like the smell of it. Uh, but for you, you know, you're already beautiful. So for you, it's just an accent, okay? It just kind of, but, but not in Jesus' day. And in Jesus' day, perfume was a cover-up because they didn't shower every day, okay? So, you know, you got a bunch of people together, and uh, one of the things, customarily, uh, oftentimes in an, an event like this, uh, the the host might, you know, give you a little perfume, spot a perfume. I don't know, <laughs> you know, where they put it. Uh, I know they washed their feet because if their feet were always dirty, dusty roads and so forth, but they would put a little perfume on you, just kind of, you know, just kind of added a fragrance uh, to, to the room. So that that's that's part of the culture. But now this this perfume was amazing this jar is an alabaster jar very precious stone in that day did you know uh, Solomon's temple which was uh, you know second chronicles the Old Testament the pillars in the temple were alabaster so they're beautiful ornate very strong this this jar just the jar itself it's alabaster in its it's very expensive and beautiful. But inside is this precious perfume that's actually distilled from a root in the Himalayan mountains. Uh, It's it's referred to as a a nard. So it's very, very thick and very fragrant. Some perfumes might have just a little drop of this. This is pure, pure nard. And and because it's very rare, uh, it's very valuable. The Himalayan mountains are a long ways away. And so this is kind of like the Bitcoin, Uh, in Israel, hopefully not as volatile, but um, this is her life savings, investment, possibly an inheritance that she's received. And she comes with this amazing ointment, this nard. She breaks, destroys it, breaks the bottle and pours it on, on Jesus' hair. And everyone, you know, they're reclining, the meal smelled wonderful. Uh, they're just enjoying their time. all of a sudden this amazing aroma and they're going whoa where's that and they're going wait a minute how much does that cost and then they start to think what they could do with it now I know this sounds horrible and cheap and we can't imagine ourselves saying anything like this but uh I can sympathize with the disciples here I mean do you know how much that cost? <laughs> Have you ever been excited about something? Have you ever wanted to, you know, maybe you wanted to give an offering at church, we're doing this Christmas conspiracy thing or something, and you just feel like God gives you a number and you wanna do it, and then you start about thinking about the zeros afterward, you start calculating the cost, and before you can write the check, you're just going, I can't do that. I mean, there's gotta be a more cost-effective way. Have you ever thought that way? Absolutely not, you're so holy. And you would never think, I couldn't tithe. I mean, how could I give 10% of my income to God? Do you know how many zeros there would be? I mean, just scares you to death. And even though we can be inspired in church as the pastor, you know, gives some eloquent message about giving and, you know, God provides and all this, the truth is our mind starts calculating the cost. And I don't, you know, by the way, we're not taking an offering today, so that's cool. But we can get inspired in our faith, but our mind calculates the cost. I mean, mean, you know, I can remember when God told me to give up a career in dentistry to be a pastor. And I was inspired in the moment. Uh, But I started calculating the cost, and it was just a little frightening. I'll never forget, there was, a, there was a, a woman in our church about 15 years ago, and uh, she had a very, uh, I'm going to call it substantial position uh, in the state of Oregon. Had a, you know, good income and, you know, PERS and all that kind of stuff, and she started feeling called to the ministry. And, and so, you know, she didn't know where she, what she was supposed to do, where she was supposed, so she started looking into it, did some research. She found this group she really felt comfortable with, wanted to go. Ended up, she, she was going to go to uh, Africa and, and work in an orphanage with these kids, just loving them and caring and teaching them. And uh, so she gave up the career, and she just dove in. Just extreme Jesus. And I think it cost about everything she had saved in her life to be able to go, And, of course, she had to learn how to do fundraising and all this kind of stuff. But a a couple of years later, she came back, and she said, I'll tell you, Pastor. I said, how's it going, man? How's it going? She said, I can't tell you how much I love this. She said, I realized one day I am riding a bicycle, an old, rusty, torn-up bicycle, down this dusty road in this poverty-stricken village, poverty all around me, to go help, serve and teach at this orphanage with these kids. And I'm filled with the joy of the Lord. She said, I understood then the abundant life that Jesus had called me to. I came that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. She said, I understand now. I didn't get it before. I sat in church, I listened to sermons, but I get it. I get it, abundant life. And she was so... Filled with joy. You know what happens on Sunday morning? I mean, some have, sometimes you, know, you walk into church and, and uh, you see these people standing over here and they're just going, yes, I love you, Jesus. And you're just kind of going, that's weird. Okay, I can be cool. And I can stand through the songs, maybe sing a little bit, but that's weird. That's extreme. And it is. But let me ask you this. What have they been through? That Jesus means that much to them. What have, what have they been through? Maybe they were healed miraculously of a disease that was going to take their life. Maybe they were facing bankruptcy financially. I had a mountain, a mountain of debt. And miraculously, God cleaned that up. How many think that would be worth raising your hands and going, Hallelujah. Hey man, what, <laughs> what? Okay, so what? What if you had an addictive behavior? Sorry, Steve, you got to go. Okay, I'm sorry, buddy. I was too long. I didn't get done in time for Steve. He, he has a caretaker that comes and picks him up. So, have a good day, Steve. Um. So, so, where was I? Someone help me. Kayla, thank you so much. So, so what? What if you had an addictive behavior, and it was kind of secret, and and man, you're really shamed about it, and you had just this pile of guilt on you, and you were just, man, you were the scum of the earth. You were the worst human being that ever lived. And uh, you're carrying all that. And all of a sudden, one day you came to church. and You've been there before, but, you know, all the pastor did is make you feel worse. You need to pray. You read your Bible. You know, and you just, it's just it gets worse. You know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, that morning, as you started worshiping, the Holy Spirit cut through. And God himself, you felt it in your heart. God himself said, I love you. And I died on the cross to pay the penalty for that sin. (laughs) And you can't believe it. But God, I'm still struggling. I'm still addicted. And yet he says, my grace will carry you through. Rely on my grace. Depend on my grace. Enter into my grace. And you begin to realize, man, even right now, when I'm struggling with sin, I love Jesus. I know I'm a new creation, but I'm still struggling with the sin nature. And the Holy Spirit comes in and just frees you. <laughs> How many think that's worth going? Hallelujah! <laughs> Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Hallelujah. That's, you know, you know, we don't always understand what people have been through in their life, do we? And One of the things I love about that, I I was wondering, what, what had she been through? I mean, what had she been through that the cost of this perfume meant nothing? Didn't compare with who she believed Jesus to be. What had she been through in her life that she was willing to take Possibly an inheritance piece or an IRA, so to speak, or savings. And literally, it's to just dump it out on Jesus. <sighs> Thankfully, we have four gospels. And, uh, you know, if you brought a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 12. But I'm going to tell you a story anyway, so. You know, John's gospel, he, he brings some clarity to this story that is, that is really great. One of the things I love about four Gospels, is you have four different perspectives, four different writers. And so if this story is going to be told everywhere, it's just great to have different perspectives. So in John's Gospel, he helps us understand the story even more. They're in the town of Bethany, okay? That's where Simon the leper, who once was a leper, lived. And by the way, that's also where Lazarus and Martha and Mary lived. Anyone know who Lazarus was? Yeah, raised from the dead, about two weeks before this event. He was in the tomb for four days, and yet Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Called. He's wrapped in grave clothes. He's stinky because his body had begun to rot, and Jesus called him out. And John's account says that Lazarus was reclining at the table with Simon, a leper who was miraculously healed, and Jesus. Now, this sounds like a party to me. I don't know about you, but the party's getting started now. And by the way, Martha, who uh, is serving, and some of you know who Martha was. She was the one who was all freaked out about preparations uh, for the for the uh, feast. And, and Jesus said, Martha, Martha, quit freaking out, okay? Uh, Mary has chosen the better part. Was, she was sitting at Jesus' feet and he was teaching her. And, and Anyway, Martha's a servant. I mean, she's just got a servant. Sure enough, she's here serving. She's serving the meal. And, uh, and Mary, her sister, Mary is the one who's breaking the jar of expensive nard perfume and pouring it over Jesus' head. Are you familiar at all with when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, what happened? See, Mary and Martha sent for Jesus and, and sent with a message. The one you love is sick, hoping to get Jesus to cancel his appointments, cancel his schedule. The one you love is sick, hoping that Jesus would come and heal him because, you know, Jesus was in the healing business. And... Uh, The problem is Jesus didn't come. In fact, Jesus finally showed up. He's four days late. I mean, thanks. You know, four days late. He's been dead in the tomb for four days. So when Jesus arrived, okay, Martha heard about it. Servant Martha, she came running. Okay, probably wanted to serve, you know. I don't know, do you need anything? Cup of coffee? Okay, but Mary wouldn't. Mary was angry. He didn't come. He didn't show up. How could he let this happen? Where was he? Now, how many of you know sometimes God doesn't do it the way you want? Have you ever noticed that? God doesn't always answer the way you prayed. He doesn't always do what you want in the time frame in regard to what you hoped. But what's amazing is many times God has A bigger plan and a greater revelation of who he is if we'll trust him you know what I'm saying and so you know Jesus finally Mary comes and Jesus if you'd been here my my, you know my, my brother would have lived and Jesus simply just asks, well where is he and so she takes him to the grave where they had laid him and verse 33 of John 11 says that Jesus wept and you know Mary got to see Jesus' love for her brother. Jesus wept. And then, after uh, probably several minutes, Jesus said, Okay, roll away the stone. <laughs> and everyone's freaking out. Wait a minute, Lord, he stinks. I mean, he's been dead for four days. He says, Roll away the stone. <laughs> they roll away the stone, and then, of course, he commands Lazarus, Come forth, raises her son from the dead four days. Four days. And of course they have to unwrap the bandages, the grave clothes. What did Mary think about Jesus then? Holy. You are God. You're you're not just a man. You're not just a prophet. You're God. You can do anything you want. You're in control. Holy God. Holy God. Holy God, now she didn't have a chance to talk to Jesus after that event. He had a pretty full schedule, okay? But uh, two weeks later, they're having a banquet. Lazarus is alive, reclining. Simon is healed, reclining. Jesus is there reclining, and Mary just comes in and breaks the flask, pours it on Jesus' head. She discovered something about Jesus that, It rocked her world. It changed her life. And nothing in her life was worth holding on to at that point. That's extreme Jesus. Nothing in her life was worth holding on to at that point. Extreme Jesus. Extreme Jesus. So let me ask you, where are you at? When it comes to extreme Jesus... I don't want your life savings. Okay, that's not my point. But I'm just asking you, where are you at? What are you afraid of giving to him? A boyfriend? The thought that you'll ever get married? What are you afraid? Maybe it is finances. What are you afraid? See, Jesus, oh, can you believe it? I mean, the conflict is all around him. The world wants to kill him. The disciples are arguing over a poor woman's sacrifice. But it's not really about them arguing. It's about their hearts arguing with whether or not God is worth it all. Is he worth it all? Is is Jesus worth it all? And frankly, every person has to make a decision about that because that is the question in your heart. And that is the question for all eternity. Is he worth it? Is he enough? Did he come that he, you might have life abundantly? Did he come as the bread of life? Did he come saying if any man thirst comes to me, do I trust him for that? Will I go all in for that? Will I get out of the plane, you know, take the leap? Will I confront my fear? My fear of failure. My fear of losing everything. The fear that I could never walk with Jesus. I could could never do it. I could never measure up. No, you will never (laughs) measure up. But his grace is sufficient because his power is made perfect in weakness. You've got to take the step of faith. You've got to take the leap at some point. I really believe uh, what we see in mary's life here i'm going to call it broken she was broken and she poured out one of the most valuable things she had just in worship to jesus if not everything i'm going to call it sweetly broken mary was sweetly broken it was painful she had to learn a lesson about her own soul and her own life i feel like to be honest mary was a little manipulative i don't know if you've been around a manipulative person but if you send a message hey by the way jesus the one you love is sick. Doesn't that sound a little manipulative? Kind of like drop everything, come running, Jesus. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a little uncomfortable with manipulative people trying to get what they want on their schedule. And there were some things that she had to let go of in her life, and there are probably some things that you need to let go of in your life. I don't I don't know what they are. Mary was sweetly broken. But Judas was broken a different way. He went the other way. He turned his back on Jesus, and he went the other. He said, I'm, I'm done with this. Isn't it amazing, an act of worship for Jesus became a turning point for Judas? And can I suggest, that's the turning point in the world we're living in today. There are people all around you who'll say, man, yeah, Jesus, you know, love people, hallelujah. You know, love Jesus, love people. But, but they won't make jesus lord of their life they just won't come to that they won't worship him they won't give all of their heart all of their soul all of their mind the question is whether he's worth it all i mean is he lord or is he not and unfortunately i can't ask, answer that for you but i'm gonna invite the worship team to come up and uh, maybe this is too extreme I don't know maybe it's too extreme but in eternity we're all gonna learn that it's all about Jesus it's it's all about him that's what (laughs) I do funerals and I know people are sitting there they're not Christians at all and I want to say wait a minute you want to go to heaven I know you do no one wants to go to hell how many know that's true anyone honest here no one wants to go to hell okay we want to go to heaven but heaven is about Jesus isn't it going to be boring for you? It's not about video games. It's not. It's, it's not about some of the things we live for in this life. The things that we love to, and by the way, it's not going to be about motocross, bikes, extreme jumps out of planes. or all like, it's going to be about the person of Jesus. So why don't we stand here this morning? And, you know, I've certainly talked enough. Um, I don't think we have time for the communion part. I'm going to invite you to take that maybe at home uh, with your family. If you need a few more for kids or whatever, grab a few more of those cups. But I do want to, give us just a moment to let what Jesus has said to us soak in and give you a moment to respond so Heavenly Father Lord thanks for loving us enough to bring us to church today and Lord just to throw it out there Lord about what life is really all about and Lord I just want to pray for me because I know I have the battle I count the cost. I struggle with how much sacrifice I can make, how much faith I really have, how much I'll trust you with my life. Lord, I struggle with that all the time. And I know there are others here that do. Lord, I, I, I struggle with weaknesses. And Lord, believing that your grace is sufficient. It's just so hard. It's so hard. Lord, thank you. Thank you for helping us. Lord, if there's anyone here who wants to take a step of faith and commit their life, just help them do it right now, right where they are. Just, Jesus, I want to make that step. I want to commit my life to you, Lord. I want to go all in. Help me. Teach me how to walk with you, know you, love you, serve you. Lord, thanks for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we just take a minute and worship before we go, and then I'll let you get out of here.
1: I'm sorry When I just sang another song Take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you I'm sorry When I've come with my agenda I'm sorry I forgot that you're enough Take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you I'm caught up in your presence I just want to sit here at your feet caught up in this holy moment i never want to leave oh i'm not here for blessings no jesus you don't owe me More than anything that you can do, I just want you.